Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute. And some of them, when we don't talk about Dodgy's topics, go on YouTube. I think we'd be okay today. And I'm a podcast coach. I've got four other podcasts, meditation, learn Polish, crypto, and speaking. And you find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. My guest, all the way in beautiful Australia. Please welcome Shay Fox. How are you, Roy? I'm very well. I'm very well. So you might let the listeners know who Shay. Hi, guys. I'm Shay. I'm a mindset and training nutrition coach uh, from Australia. And um, we help people struggling with, you know, their addictions, their vices, and just to build a better life for themselves. And, you know, that's that's what we do over here. Excellent. So I know it all kind of delved from your own journey. So you might kind of just go back a few layers and your own kind of journey into your own kind of problems that's for sure. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of my personal development journey started when I was quite young. Um, I had a bit of a uh, banging around, so to speak, with my upbringing, with my mother, with my father, um, and then I was in foster care. So I was I was sent around from all these different families. So I had to learn to cope by myself. And then fast forward fifteen years, um, and I start had to kind of re re attend that um, that kind of personal development that I developed when I was thirteen, and I'd almost forgotten about it. And then as I got older. And I kind of ran into some issues again. I had had a nightclub. I was DJing, got a bit too heavy into the partying. And then, you know, went down the drugs, got in trouble with the police. And, you know, I was at rock bottom. My girlfriend left me at the time. And then I was just struggling financially. So I had to turn inwards. I had to all of a sudden look at myself and go, like, how did I get here? How the, how the bloody hell did I get here? And, and that just started me on this journey. And I, and I kind of just went, I got to, I got to share this with people. I got to help people what I found down there because like, the way I was feeling, I had never felt the crushing weight of it before. And I think it was because it was the accumulation of everything uh, with the club, with the police and with the girlfriend. It was just one thing after another. And the only way I could feel good was just to work out and feel and, and work on myself. And so that was really what saved me. And it was really one of those dark times where I thought, you know, I thought I was stronger than that. It would never happen to me. And it, I was the one person it did happen to. So you know, I want to make sure no one else falls into that trap. And if anyone else is struggling with it, that I'm here to help. Okay, excellent. And with kind of, you know, going to foster care, because I know how difficult that may, What age were you? And were you going to different families or was it just one foster family? Yeah, no, I was, I was about 10 different foster families, you know, about the same amount of different schools, like, you know, just, just banging around. And I ended up going back to my nan and granddad's. They came and they found out I was in foster care and they're like, that's when I'm having that. But then that was another school I had to go to. So yeah, it was, I was about seven till 13 in foster care. So yeah, it was quite some time. No, that's difficult. And cause so, like, I, I kind of look at, uh, cause I, I know that you, you wrote about you know, your father being abusive and like, mm-hmm. I tried to go back a few layers because sometimes we don't know the journey. Like, do you know the journey of both your parents? What actually could have triggered them to be not giving kind of full attention to yourself? Well, I think for me, I, from my understanding is that I was just a little bit of a, a little bit of a shit of a kid, but I was getting beaten up at home. You know, I was getting, you know, my dad was, was, was beating me up. So I was beating up the kids in school. You know what I mean? And and my mom wasn't there. She left because I think she was getting um, beaten up a little bit as well. Um, so it was just, I think, um, the relationship there was never, never father and son. And and yeah, so I never, I never really had that that uh, safety, I guess, of having a father figure in my life. But and yeah. you know, you mentioned you know so many times gone wrong, like. 
going to different school. That must have been very traumatic because yeah. trying to meet friends and then you're probably triggering yourself after it happening three times. What's the point in kind of connecting with people? Like, yeah. I just wondering what was going on in your head. Can you remember how yeah, you were yeah. feeling? I, I definitely, definitely. Like, you'd, you'd make all these wonderful friends and you'd be so, so excited. You just met this this new person. You really click in, you go on and, you know, going over the house, just playing games, this, all, all this and that. But, and then you just uprooted, you just pulled out of that situation and you, you're off to, you're off to another family. Like it's, it's really, it's really difficult. So I, I learned at a young age just to kind of deal with things myself. And, and I did rely heavily on my friends as kind of, you know, because they didn't have much of a family. And so, yeah, kind of, and then after I moved on from different families, I had to yeah just rely on myself. And were they moving you very far? Like, were you just in one state or were they actually? Uh, a lot of it. No, no, no. A lot of it was around like the same kind of area. So like, you know, Gold Coast or it would be up to the Sunshine Coast or um, I can't remember the exact names of all the all the places, but it was around that area. So, you know, this was before cell phones, you know, mobile phones, I guess. So from what I remember, yeah. So I couldn't just call my friends up. <laughs> and... Are they doing that same kind of thing? No, because I mean, if if you're looking to help somebody, you should try to give them stability and have a family. Mm. I mean, obviously they have to make sure that you know that they, they, everybody connects and you actually like the people and vice versa. But mm. to just constantly move a child, and I know this goes on around mm. the world. It's not just you know applicable to Australia, but yeah, it's the wrong way to do it. Well, I think I think you know I wasn't the perfect kid, and obviously you know you're not things aren't going on well with you you're not behaving very well so i could imagine if these families are kind of looking to help they want to get a good kid so just you know they want to get almost like they're adopting a kid so they want the good one so if they get one that's not you know that's not exactly the best for them or, or that's that's not not in what in line with their values they'll just you know trade it in so <laughs> that's what i kind of think think it is but i haven't revisited that uh that you know, haven't looked into foster care or, or, or anything like that and what they're actually still doing. So I, I wouldn't know if they're still doing that. But yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult, I think, for, for kids. It definitely was for me. Okay. And like with the nightclub then, because you kind of said you went down the kind of wrong road with that. Like, how did that kind of happen? Was it something that just kind of happened or, or was it the success no. got to your head and the money started coming in and you went, hey. yeah. yeah, yeah. It was kind of, I started, but the journey started just from, uh, DJing I was DJing everywhere I was, I was going up and down the coast of Australia just playing at all these different venues I started meeting a whole bunch of wild DJs as well and everyone wanted to know me and I was like this is awesome I get to party I get to make money you know this is this is amazing I get to do my passion and then I kind of got sick of the traveling around so much and I was like look I'm just gonna play in one club and that was actually the club I bought was the one club I started playing out in Noosa uh, for the longest time and so there was just an opening. I was fortunate that the people that were, that owned it were selling at the time. Um, this was probably about two years after I was DJing there and they wanted to sell and I got the inside, inside hook on that. So uh, yeah, it was just very fortunate. Um, and so I got to be a minority share owner, shareholder in the, uh, in the nightclub. And then after I bought the nightclub, it was kind of like, you know, all bets, like all bets are up. I just could do whatever I wanted. I was just, you know, we were just having the best time. Like as you, as you would, you'd just be all of a sudden you're 26 and you own a nightclub. It's like, what the hell, what the hell's going on? Yeah. So it was, it was a really interesting time and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And, and I didn't, you know, I didn't waste, waste the opportunity, but looking back, I wasted it. So at the time I felt like I wasn't wasting it because I was taking advantage of it, but 
when you look back at it again, I wasted it 100% because then all the police came and there was drugs involved. And, you know, the police know everything that's going on. You know, if you think you're smart and getting away with stuff, no, they know so much. So, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the journey. And because we, we, we were talking prior, prior to recording about both of us kind of like to wake up naturally and, you know, we're kind of early to bed, early rise kind of thing. But when you're doing the nightclub, it kind of goes against your time clock because you're kind of, I don't know what time you'd start, 10 o'clock, but sometimes they go on until four in the morning, six in the morning. Yeah. And your whole rhythm is thrown out, which in turn, I think, kind of affects everything in your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I was quite young with it, so I was, you know, I was 26. I was, I was able to adapt to it. But, you know, you would be waking up at 11 a.m., going to bed at 4, 5 a.m. Like I was, if I was in bed by 4 a.m., that was a good, you know, I'd, I'd done well. I hadn't, hadn't gone and party, hadn't drunk too much, hadn't gone done anything else, you know, put anything, anything else up my nose, so I'd done pretty well. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was definitely definitely got worse and worse as I was in that situation longer, as I had the nightclub longer, just the parties got longer and the, the excuses came up more and more why it was okay to party tonight, why it was okay to do what I was doing. And then it's just every night because you're there, you're at the party. Everyone wants to get in and, and see who you are and, and you know, do drugs with you pretty much, you know, so. And like when said the police came in, you've realized, yeah, you know, doing drugs and the whole lot, and you made the transition, like, was it something that was kind of told, yeah, you need to clean yourself up? Or was it a self-realization? Hey, I'm going down the wrong track. I need to get myself started. Yeah. So I was, I was literally staring at the cold brick floors in the lockup, just going, how, how the bloody hell did I, I, I knew this was coming. I knew, I knew that what I was doing was not, in line with my conscience. I knew what I was doing wasn't right. And I was just continuing to do it anyway. I, to this day, I think I wanted to get caught. I, th I honestly think I did. I think honestly, I, I think I did want to get caught. And it was until I was in that cell that I realized that this is on me and I got to change it. I got myself in this mess and, and I got to get myself out of it. And so yeah, that was the what, beginning. What was the transit? Like what was the, the kind of steps that you took to kind of get where you are today? the steps that I took was the, the biggest humbling of my life. I had to, <laughs> I had to sell out of my business. I had to sell out of the nightclub. I had to sell the car I had at the time. I didn't even have another car. I had to move back into a garage. Like it was just these, this spiral down of just humbling, humbling, like just to, just to cut away the excess that I had so I could deal with the situation that I was going through, um, you know, paying for the lawyers, um, you know, going through, um, it with my girlfriend supporting her. And then, you know, I, I had a bunch of mechanical issues with my cars and it was just one thing after another. So I felt like I was spiraling down, but how I, how I built myself out of it was through my training was through my exercise. Like I got to such a point where I had this crushing feeling. It was almost like an anchor just tying me to the floor and I couldn't get rid of it. The only way I could kind of get rid of it was cold showers and a workout. And so those cold showers and those workouts were what gave me a little bit of relief and then it was just journaling. I was writing every evening, writing what I wanted, who I wanted to be, started reading, started reflecting, just just stopped, cut out all the noise, all the noise that was on, going on on my phone, all the, all the noise that was going on around me, the people that were hanging out, all like the little, you know, 
blips of, of people just trying to like get into my life or trying to, Hey, what are you doing? Or you want to go out and do this and that, like just cutting all that off. And it was peaceful for once, you know, it was all of a sudden I was doing my own thing and I was, and I had, I had a vision and I was, um, I was, had a bit of sense of alignment. So, yeah. And with the coaching then, how did that all come about? Well, <laughs> so the, the, the way it changed my life through training, through the nutrition that I had to use to sustain my training just so I could feel good. Like I was one of those people that thought it would never happen to them. So as soon as it started happening, as it happened to me, I was like, okay, this shit's real. And like this, I'm talking about suicide here. I'm talking about, you know, just depression and things like that. I thought it was all fake and yada, yada. but what saved me was the workouts. What saved me was uh, talking to someone and what saved me was actually journaling. So the transition was, I'd always been one of those people that was sensitive and I was, I'd liked, I like to talk to others and I like to help others. And so it kind of, as I got those little keys that helped me when I was actually down there, I kind of structured that into a program and I was like, look, this is going to help people because it helped me. And so I just share that. I just share that and just see what people need and, and help them the best I can. And it, it works. It really works. And with the journal, and I'm just curious because it's it's from one of the podcasters that I listen to, Blaine Boys, his name. He wears a plastic bag because he doesn't want anybody to know who he is. But I could see right. he was kind of over the lockdown period, kind of really down in the dumps. And you could see it coming out in the thing. And I'm just wondering, as you started journaling and kind of progressed, did you ever look back on what you had written and see your mood and how your thought process was kind of a year back? Yeah. So, so my, my thing wasn't even, my thing wasn't even journaling. Mine wasn't journaling. Mine was goals. Mine was setting things that I wanted, things that I needed to get done, things that was, was what had to be done to, to get myself out of that. It wasn't so much journaling. Um, I've started journaling a little bit more now uh, because, you know, I think, I think I've never really done journaling, but the reflection on the goals and what I wanted at that stage, definitely like I'm, I'm still making the goals large enough. So they're unobtainable, not in the near future, but yeah, just looking back, you know, I would, I would write them as if they were lines. I would just continually write them over and over again, like the same kind of paragraph of, of, of lines. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even like a journaling. It was like just a programming of your brain of what you wanted and cutting everything else out. Brilliant, brilliant. So like with like coaching, helping other people now, is it, is it kind of, face-to-face you're doing stuff or are you mainly online where you're doing most yeah we, we do we do face-to-face as well so i've got a couple of clients in the in the gym that i'm at um and then it's online as well and so it's just over zoom just like you and i are now um and yeah it's really good we do a one-hour call every week uh just to touch base just whatever they're struggling with you know we do reflection um and then i write their training nutrition programs whatever they need and we just really work together and connect with that other person. And it's, and it's really good to see people go from, you know, point A where they were to, to where they are now. And it's just, you just to see them realize that, Hey, this is actually working. It's great. Yeah, brilliant. And just for those that may be listening on your Instagram, you know, you've got that kind of perfect body, the, the six pack and the muscles. Is that something that you need to do six hours a day or can you actually compress uh, no, it? No, no. no, you would have better results. You would have better results if you did less than what I do. What I do, like I said, is merely to feel good. And then I do like little micro workouts just to get myself elevated. Because with with my thinking and with my mindset, I find that 
when I drop, when I drop to a low frequency state, I have to elevate. And that's where the workout comes in. That's where getting your heart rate up lifts you up to that higher frequency. And, you know, it's, it's something that I've really observed as, as key to, to maintaining that mental, mental clarity. And so for me, that's how I do that. But with the body, you know, you can get it with proper macros and three to four days a week training. That's it. Brilliant. And because like a lot of times when people, you know, go through different issues, if they go to a psychologist or a doctor, unfortunately, a lot of the time they just prescribe, you know, depression tablets. And I mean, I've been researching that lately and it's like the whole lot is a farce. Even the FDA, all the figures that we're giving is all a lie. And like the placebo people get it. But not once will a doctor say, hey, go out in the sun. Hey, go ahead, do exercise about nutrition Mm. because they're not getting kickbacks and everything. So Mm. I presume like people are probably shocked. I mean, you're obviously seeing uh, results as you're taking them through the journey. But there must be such a feel good factor for yourself as well when you kind of know how you're helping. But like, how do you feel about the whole industry, the way that, they, you know, when people aren't getting the right information? I, I you know, if someone if someone ever tells me that I, I say, you know, you're putting it all on a pill. That's your that's your result. That's your that's what you're putting your trust in. It's just a little pill. That's that's what you need to be happy. Like, you know, people will not find happiness in the same place they've lost it. And I mean, you can say antidepressants work this and that they might get you started. But at the end of the day, you've got to let your body take over. You need to let your body take over naturally. You can't just be supplementing, you know, feeling good. <laughs> It's like, it's, it's crazy. And what startled me is the side effect of these tablets is suicidal tendencies. You know, yeah. it's, uh, so it actually does the worst. Like, like it does worse I, for I, people. I think there was also something I was listening to a podcast. Jordan Peterson was talking and, and he said people that no Joe Rogan was talking with Jordan Peterson. And he said the, uh, the people that are prescribed uh, antidepressants turn into alcoholics, <laughs> like almost 90% of them. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. It's, I mean, because yeah, I, I love listening to Joe Rogan as well. And uh, and I've heard the, with the Jordan Peterson, very good interview. But mm. like when you when you listen to even a lot of guests that come on his show, but, you know, from what we see, the amount of people having opiate problems, and drug problems and everything in America. Mm. But I mean, I know it's international, but there seems to be massive. But like when you've got people coming in, because and the reason I'm saying this is because not everybody can afford a coach and not everybody can go down that route. And just mm-hmm. if they're in the wrong place, that like, what's the best kind of route to be taking to try to, you know, to get off make, it. Yeah. So you've got to change the structure. You've got to change the underlining structure. So I, I put it simply like if there's ice cream in the fridge, and you want to stop eating ice cream, you've got to change the structure. So you've got to get rid of the ice cream. That's the structure. Or at least replace the ice cream with something like Yopro or, or something that is a healthier option or an alternative to get you started. So I would say the same thing with your drugs and your alcohol. But you've got to remove yourself out of the situations where people drink, like immediately. Move yourself out of the places where people do drugs. Like you're going to find yourself, as soon as you realize the power of your thoughts and your habits, and you, you will just not go to certain places because you understand the people you're going to meet there. You know, that's, that, that was my biggest thing was getting away from the bullshit, cutting the bullshit out and, and just being with myself and, and learning that, you know, you don't need the drugs to have a good time. You don't need the alcohol to have a good time. You know, you don't need that to feel good. And because I had um, a, a lady on the podcast a couple of months back and she was on about uh, gray drinking, which is kind of where people 
they're kind of having the few glasses every night, but then it's mm. like continuous. And mm-hmm. I just like, I'd love to know your thoughts on that because it was something that I was conscious of myself. And then I just said, whoa, and went off it for three months and just said, hey, what's going on here? Like, and yeah. sometimes people, because they're not getting drunk and it's not, they're not going clubbing. But if you think it's your kind of, oh, I need this because I've had a hard day. I think that's a rabbit hole. We shouldn't be going down either. Yeah, look, I think, I, I so there's this trainer called BioLean, and he and he mentions that there's no scientific effects or, or results in lowering your testosterone from from um, from drinking, and and there's actually lifts your testosterone from drinking just a little bit. So I think I think you know it's a gateway it's a gateway thing. If you have to be the person that says I just need to have a, a drink to relax and wind down, like what's wrong with a book? You know, why does it have to be a drink? What's wrong with, you know, I, for my clients, I say, cut it off, cut off the drugs, cut off the alcohol, 100%. You know, I know people can get sick if they're actually alcoholics and things like that. So you got to wean them off it. But in terms of drugs and alcohol, I don't want any of my clients on it. And I give them my personal number, my personal mobile number. And I say, if you ever fucking think about doing drugs or alcohol again, give me a call straight away. I don't care whatever time it is, I'll pick it up, you know, and I'll st- I'll stand between you and your bad habits and the things, you know, looking for happiness in the same place you lost it, whether you think you deserve it or not, because, you know, it's, it's poison and it, it gets carried away and we get carried away easily. Yeah. And I mean, you've obviously seen from kind of owning a nightclub, how some people change. I mean, I've seen, it didn't affect me in that way, but I've seen some people, you, they're lovely people. And after a few drinks, they're like, there's like a demon comes out of them. They're just totally different person. Yeah. And when you witness that, you know, it's it's like when you go somewhere, if you're going out to club and you're just not drinking and you're seeing how people are actually behaving, it actually it mm. tends to make I, I kind of encourage everybody to do that. Go out to a place where there's a lot of people getting drunk. And when you see it, you kind of go, I'm actually like that when I'm, you know, I, I don't mean the aggressive type, but just kind of acting stupid as well. Eh? Yeah. And watch it. Watch it lift. Watch it go from watch, you know, in the club. I used to see it all the time. You just watch someone completely normal like this there they're there they're engaged in the conversation and then you just watch them progress throughout the night and just drunk and then all of a sudden they're the ones that are losing their shoes on the dance floor. like they're all all sloppy you know they're drinking their friends drinks just all fucked and they're all the loud one in the room and it's like you know like if you need that if you need that sure but i don't think anyone needs that i don't think i don't think anyone's woken up after a night out with more money and more friends you know they might have woke up with more fake friends but yeah and I think society, I mean, it used to be kind of different kind of in my day. It was kind of, I don't know, but I, I find that some people are living their week to just do the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or whatever they can afford. Mm. or what. And it's like, mm. it's like Groundhog Day. And mm. then they're losing a day because if you're, you know, if you're out in the Raz for a heavy night, your whole next day is useless I mean, obviously you've seen it now when you're productive you're making your list you're getting stuff done and you just love yeah. that you get more energy from that and you just a feel good factor whereas when you're doing yeah. that it's like and then they just repeat it it's like a cycle that they think that's life and it's probably yeah. the, the wrong spiral yeah. to be going though i say i say bring bring that pre-saturday night energy to your monday morning honestly like bring that bring that excitement bring that you know that you know hit it with everything you've got let's you know start let's get everyone around let's get this shit done that's what you want on a monday morning you know that, that, that's alcohol, when that's obviously. when 90 percent of people realize they need to change their jobs because there's a lot of yeah. people hate what they're doing yeah 
Yeah. And I'm like, you got to have that, you got to have something that's more important that gives you the strength to say no to your friends. You know, you don't need to be a dick about it, but they also don't need to be a dick about, you know, why aren't you drinking this and that? And if they are, tell them to get fucked. Tell them to get fucked. You know, if you want to try and bring me down to your level, get out of here. Like, honestly, that's not a friend. And I mean, for me, I was, it was easier for me because when everything happened with the club, I really found out who was my friends. And there was maybe two friends, one really close friend, two friends that stuck with me through the whole thing. So, you know, and that just says a lot. And that says, then that says more than anything, you know, everyone's around when the party's there, but when the party stops, you know, they're all gone. And like, just with your kind of clients, have you found, because I, I found that when you have a mission bigger than yourself, kind of to help others and just kind of make an impact in the world, which you're obviously doing as well. I know you're kind of, you can see someone completely changing their life and going from mm-hmm. going down to like having a fantastic life. Like, do you find that when somebody has not just chugging through life, but when they have a mission bigger than themselves, that that then they stop thinking about the doom and gloom? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They've got no time for it. You've got to, you've got to make it so you don't have time for it. Like, you know, this is the thing you're not going to, if you don't have time to sit and think about your problems, you know, it doesn't mean they're not there, but you, you've got things that are better that you're pursuing. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't need to, yeah, you don't need to worry about this so much. Yeah. Um, with the nutrition then, cause that's another kind of, I mean, they were pushing all these different things, you know, the triangle food with the, you know, <laughs> bread and milk. And, and it turns out every <laughs> single thing they failed us to take was actually a lot worse and yeah. just full of, you know, antibiotics yeah. and hormones and all this kind of stuff. And I remember even when I was younger, I was like, oh, take margarine, butter's bad for you. Then it turns out margarine is bad. And then asphaltum was banned. And then it becomes this normal microwaves are banned in Russia. And then it's not, it's like, <laughs> the problem is most people, they're bamboozled. It's like, yeah. what's actually good for me? And it's like, I yeah. suppose, well, what's your advice? I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you're, you, you kind of study that, you know it a lot better than yeah. most people. Well, you, you need to, you need to focus your calories. It's your calories in to calories out. So if you're in a calorie surplus, you're going to put on weight. If you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to lose weight. Now, ideally you want to be tracking your macros, the macronutrients in those calories. That's your proteins, your carbs, and your fats. So that's what we put our clients on is, a, is an optimum protein to carbohydrate and fat ratio. And that gives you the fat loss and keeps you in the optimum strength gaining as well. So you put on lean muscle in a way. Okay. And let's with kind of say your, your clients then, it's whether it's face to face or whatever. What's the best way of kind of because sometimes people that kind of may do these things are you know it might be yeah. the pl- police saying hey you have to do this or you're going to spend time or parents will throw them out or something like that when yeah. they're not connected themselves because sometimes like you made a choice and you you know you were staring the floor in the prison cell and that's when it happened with you and sometimes yeah. that happens a bit but there's other times they don't have that kind of i suppose we call it called the jesus moment when yeah if you've got somebody like that what's kind of the best way to kind of get them to kind of self-actualization that oh it's within well, it's like, the, i'm the problem well think of think of when you are when you're talking to your grandkids what are they going to talk about the grandfather what do they get what stories are you going to tell your grandkids are they going to be proud of what you did you know just are you going to be this person that's overweight that can't even play with them like you, you've got to look at these choices would they be proud of you going out every weekend that's your big story like that's that's what i that's what i use and you know 
I just say, I say to people, you know, you don't understand the potential that you have, you know, what is laying dormant inside of you that you actually can use to improve your life. And it's, and it's just there waiting dormant. Like, you know, yeah. What would your kids think? What would your spouse think? How much better would your life be? That's what I say. And, you know, with, with your own kind of journey as well, because sometimes people have the kind of, oh, you, how would you know? You know, I've had this kind of life or this has happened to me. And I mm-hmm. think once you kind of have your own story as well of a hard life and then kind of what happened in the club, it's kind of then they yeah. can't use that card because people use that card as well. Like they kind of they do. Yeah, people, people, of course, they want to say that because they want to, they want to give themselves the excuse that they know better or that they don't need to change or and more, more importantly, it won't happen to them. That's the biggest thing. The, the one person that says it won't happen to them, they're the one person it's going to happen to. <laughs> That's just how it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. So you, you do business coaching as well? Yeah, but I look. Look, I don't, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to talk about that in this one. We'll just keep this for the mindset, training, nutrition. The business is kind of side hustles. We kind of just help people to build up side hustles, and it, which is what helped me, which it wasn't so much a side hustle, but it's service-based. So it's still actually engaging with people and going out and just building a product or a service, something that people need and going and helping people. Not, not like online drop shipping, none of that shit. Going out and, you know, starting a cleaning business or a cooking business or some sort of, you know product you sell windows or something like that but just to get you started that there is other ways of making money than all these fads that people you know that people are trying to sell you online or crypto or something i don't know i don't know i don't know anything about crypto but what i mean there was a lot and that's why you set that up because there's so much fraud in that field but i mean i suppose Mm. that in itself is a kind of connection because there's a lot of people when they lose everything they actually need to get something because there's not always somebody, there's not always the parent or the grandparent or somebody that has a, a wallet that can get them sorted. And, you know, they Definitely. need to find something like selling the windows or multi-level marketing or something that can yeah. just get them out there. And also, because yeah. there's the connection side as well, because I don't think people realize that because sometimes people are getting depressed because they're kind of in their own little bubble. And sometimes mm. they're not getting out of their house and they're just kind of chugging away. But when they get into, like, say, the business, they're going around meeting people. And that in itself is actually a got a feel good factor, because especially in yeah. the last three years, people are staying at home and then they got comfortable with that. And then they're like, they don't want to really go out and meet people. And it's like it's yeah. like it, before I used to be the tribes having the conversation and everything. And now that's mm-hmm. kind of gone. And by having yeah. some sort of kind of thing to bring in a bit of money to communicate. Your... Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the feeling useful i think you know even even these these days like i if i'm not doing something if i'm not engaging or talking with people like shit i've got a cleaning business that i do on the side as well and by that that's run for me i've got people that work for me doing that but for me sometimes i'm like hell i'm just gonna go do some cleaning and i just go work on the business because it, it gives you a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning and it's it's you know you're valuable and i think that's what a young a lot of young that's what i felt i felt that I wasn't valuable and I wasn't contributing in some way. And then as soon as I found out a way I could contribute, I was like, shit, I had to show people this. Like you can, you can do it too. I did it. You can do it too. Like, you know? And like, cause that's one thing all, all through my life would say, even with clean cling, some people, I judge them by how they actually treat a cleaner. Because for me, if I'm talking to a billionaire or a cleaner, I'll treat them the exact same. And yeah. it's, I think people don't realize how hard cleaning mm. is. It's actually is mm. a very labor intensive work. But even if you're doing it yourself, because I like I used to have somebody cleaning those because I was doing so many different things. 
And then I started doing it myself because she got ill. And it's like, I don't hate it anymore because I kind of had that. I put that into my health. And does the feet, and I get my son, my youngest child, he's nine. I get him to go around and do, do the cleaning as well. And I think yeah. even doing things like that, you like if you look at it as a chore and, oh, Jesus, I have to clean me house. Yeah. You use it as an exercise. I mean, you're basically yeah. working hard for one or two hours. I'd say that's yeah. my training for the day. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And it's just changing your mindset. Because if you go going, yeah. oh, I have to clean. You're putting yourself down. You're of a negative thought. And yep. depending my on whatever you're doing, you know, like cooking. I love cooking. But I know there's some people mm-hmm. that hate cooking, driving. Yeah. I don't have a problem if there's a, I listening to a podcast. You know, I'm always doing something in the car. Instead of mm-hmm. getting aggressive, but if you have a thought process and you trigger, so the mindset on everything is kind of the most yeah. important. Well, you, you you flip it. And you go. I got an opportunity to like help someone's day. Like you, you're doing. So for me, it was an Airbnb clean. This one Airbnb I do all the time, and I would always look at it as like, hey, I'm going to put my own swing on this. I'm going to you know fold the towels this way, but it's going to you know I'm going to make sure everything's perfect on my end, so that the person who comes in here is going to have that perfect experience and it's like that extra step above that that silent hero almost you know just someone that's just doing it anyway like more of that and it's easy to be like that it's just not half-assing it it's not it's not thinking the poor me i'm just trying to get in and get out and i think that's that will set you apart in business yeah and i'm just wondering because what i kind of do is i call it kaizen it's like kind of organize everything so i've done it with my clothes or i think it was mary carrie or someone that was done this so i started doing my clothes that way and i said oh, brilliant. no my clothes are fantastic since i started doing that but i mm-hmm. i find that things get kind of you know a bit messed up and stuff like that but i said okay i'm going to basically set aside i'm going doing the kitchen and the kitchen is in everything the tea it's not just she is just bundled in there. It's in a really beautiful and the same with Good. each room. And it's not the whole house isn't done, but just from this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that like a clear environment is a clear mind mm-hmm. as well. Cause sometimes you're looking yep. at clutter and it just clutters your brain. Uh-huh. 100%. I'm, I agree. Jordan Peterson says the best. He says, clean up your room. <laughs> he says, clean up your room. I, I, I love it. And I, it's true. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people. I won't even leave one single dish in the dish, in the sink. I will clean it as soon as I'm finished. Like I don't even sit down to eat until I've cleaned up all the pots and pans that I've been cooking with. <laughs> like I've just got my bowl, but I've already done the washing up. Like I'm not anal like that, but I think it's good process. You know, you've got your steps of things that you do, brushing your teeth, flossing, you know, you do them, they're non-negotiables and you've got times you do them. So that structure is important for me. And I think that structure is important for a lot of people like, like yourself with keeping your house clean. You know, you don't have to think about as much, you know, everything's organized. Yeah, and like with the pots, that's something I used to always do because I've realized that when you're cleaning the pots as you're going along, it just comes off straight away. But if you kind of let it settle to the next day, you're spending yeah. too much time scrubbing it. Like, Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, people, the, yeah. <laughs> there's the advantages. So I suppose like just kind of finally, it, for those that can't get the, the coach and, you know, they're going through the problem. I mean, both the nutrition and the health, what kind of advice would you give them to just kind of make that little shift because i think once you have the shift it, it shows a bit of light at the end of the tunnel and then you can kind of rather than go on cold turkey on things the moment okay uh the best piece of advice the moment you start feeling negative in any way i wanted you to do this as a little exercise little thought exercise as soon as you start feeling negative or a bit lost you're not sure what to do i want you to hit a quick 50 150 push-ups or burpees whatever it may be see how you feel and how you're thinking after you do that 
that's what I would say for the training. And then I would say with the food, I mean, you've got to know what you're doing with the food because, okay, with the food, I would say focus on your proteins, which is your steak, potato, steak, fish, eggs, and, you know, your fish. Uh, I think I said that already, chicken, fish, and then go for your potatoes, you know, potatoes and greens, you know, and then just a little bit of fruit. That's what I would say. But you need to know your calories. And I would say stay, stay away from your sodas. Like just stay away from that. Like there's, there's so many calories in, um, in Coke, in Sprite and all that. So if you just swap that out, swap that out for water, you'll be a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I don't and know. No chips. <laughs> no, exactly. But unfortunately, you know, people go through that. It's kind of like when they're feeling dung, they reach for these things. But there's an app here. I don't know. Can you get the, because it's in Polish, but I don't know. Is there something similar around the world? But it's basically yeah. you scan and it tells you all the nutrition on it. So, you know, yeah. and it, t- it tells and you're looking yeah. at stuff. And sometimes you see stuff that's saying natural this and natural that. And it's all a scam. Mm. And I think when you can't read what's on the label or there's so many different ingredients, you stay mm. away. It's like stick to, as you say, chicken, but try to get the organic if you can. If you can't, I mean, obviously yeah. we know the, the value of it, but just stick to just one ingredient types instead of processed mm. food. Because when you get yeah. the processed food, it's got MSG, it's got all the toxins, which exactly. in turn goes into your brain and you're wondering why you're feeling sluggish and you don't have to, you're not jumping out of bed. Yeah. If your grandparents wouldn't recognize it as food, don't eat it. Simple. Simple. No. If, if it comes in a package, don't eat it. Like, I mean, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't enjoy the things that you want for sure. Everyone, you know, we're not, I, I sometimes eat chocolate and that's, that's, we're human. That's fine. But it's about knowing you've got to track it. You've got to know what you're putting in your mouth and, and otherwise you just won't know. And you'll be overeating in certain areas. You won't actually realize what is being the most detrimental in your diet. And it's probably not what you think it is. You know? And just with the chocolate, because I'm the type that it's one of my kind of things. I don't know if you give me three bars of normal kind of chocolate, I eat the three bars and then I just cream. But what I start to do, one, I don't buy it. You know, it's like you mentioned that earlier, don't yeah. have it. But what I do is I get 85% chocolate. And I just take, when I feel like it, sometimes I could go a week without yeah. one. I take two or yeah. three squares. It gives me that yeah. thing that I need and I'm grand. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. just having the high cocoa content and you're not, yeah. you know, and you sugars. can take, you take that as an opportunity to practice that self-control. It's like you can actually witness yourself. You can observe yourself the way you're thinking when you look at that chocolate and you're like, I want to have more. I want to have more. But then you exercise restraint and like, you know, well done. Mindset 101, you're exercising restraint, you know? Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Listen, Shay, totally enjoyed our conversation. So you might let people know where they'll find you. Well, I've only got my Instagram, so it's Shady Fox, and that's my Instagram. Shady Fox. Okay, cool. And make sure I put uh, I put the Instagram both on the audio and the video. Thank you very much for the conversation, Shay. Thank you, Roy. So that's all for the Awakening Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. As mentioned, we're on BitChute and YouTube. Find the links to the podcast description and my four other podcasts along with the coaching bio.link forward slash podcasting. Sure to give us a thumbs up, five star rating, share with your friends. Until next week, take care.